Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 330, and we're about to give you that goo, dropping that fantasy football knowledge. I've got Stag Party on the other end of an Uber conference. Houdini was partying his bells off over at the uh, Bears game on Sunday night. I was tailgating with him. He hit me up a couple hours before the show and said he's got no voice. Kid's a madman. So it's me and the stag party tonight. Um, I am D-Rex. Uh, we are pyromaniac.com. And this show we are calling Thanksgiving Your Opponents a Beatdown in Week 12. Um, obviously, we've got three games uh, on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. Um, and we're just going to get right into it. I think uh, I'm hungry as hell and want to make some food. So truth is, we're going to pile driver through this show and give you some awesome goo, but try not to go three hours. So uh, first game, our Bears are going to be up in Detroit playing the Lions. Um, news today is Trubisky's got a sore shoulder. Uh, doesn't kind of seems like it's pointing towards him not starting. Does that mean we are getting uh, to see Chase Daniels uh, get his first start as a bear? Yeah, I mean, with the quickest turnaround that's like physically possible in the NFL schedule, uh, going from a late Sunday night to an early Thursday morning, it's definitely possible that Mitch Trubisky is not available to go. And, you know, if he's not, that's going to be a big knock for fantasy owners of Mitch Trubisky and a lot of the other skill players on this team. Uh, especially these are two teams that know each other well, are just coming off, you know, a big, big loss um, to each other. Uh, the Lions came off a big loss to the Bears, excuse me, two weeks ago, in which the Bears thoroughly dominated on offense. You know, no, it seemed like all of their skilled position players were heavily involved, uh, with the exception of Jordan Howard, and they all scored fantasy points. Yeah, uh, and Trubisky had his best game of Ah, maybe not his best game as a pro, best all-around game, passing yards-wise, in that Lions game. So, uh, obviously a bummer for him to be sitting out. Do you think, um, as far as Bears and starting guys on that team, um, can Chase uh, get it done, or is it just uh, kind of sitting them all? I mean, I uh, against the Lions and how bad they were two weeks ago, got to remember that was without Darius Slay. It, it does look like... Uh, Chase Daniels, a guy who can get it done, but we haven't seen him play. And you know his his amount of money per snaps in the NFL is you know crazier than anybody you know, including like Sam Bradford. So that's a guy who's made a lot of coin for a lot of doing nothing, and we don't really know what Chase Daniel is as an NFL quarterback. But if you have questions about Nagy. Uh, and what you have questions about Trubisky and whether it's more Nagy or Trubisky, uh, you know, if you're betting on the Nagy side, then you're still going to want to be starting guys like Allen Robinson, uh, Anthony Miller. You might want to, you know, sit away from some of these fringe players like, um, you know, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, the guys who are a little bit further down the pecking order. And you could even debate who's higher up on the pecking order between Miller and Gabriel after, you know, Gabriel had another nice showing uh, on Sunday night. So it's going to be a lot of sitcher guys, but, you know, it might have sent a guy like Jordan Howard a little bit up. 
if they do have to go with a more reserved um, style of offense with Chase under center. Good point. I like that point. Um, yeah, Howard had uh, 65% of the uh, um, uh, snap uh, share uh, for the game on Sunday night. So uh, he's still getting it done. Collins down to 41%. Um, what, the last thing I'll say about the Bears, it seems to me that the Bears are on their second half of these games. Their offense does not look as sweet as it does in the first game. Uh, have you noticed that? Is it just teams – um, start preparing and figuring out what to do, or do they just kind of let uh, put it into cruise control? Why? Why does it feel like the Bears kind of just dominate first halves and then they're just kind of uh, a little bit more mediocre on the, in the second? Well, you know they've got a lot of schemed up plays in that first half. They don't have as many of those going into the second half. Uh, teams are seeing you know what strategies the Bears are using in the first half and finding ways to you know, combat that, whether it's play a little bit more man, play a little bit more zone, mix up coverage, send more blitzes. They're seeing what works and it's, you know, like in a prize fight, if the jabs work and the bears are going to keep going to it and then they'll run variations, uh, you know, off that same. And teams are just adjusting to it. So uh, it's something that's got to be monitored, but a lot of these teams seem to, you know, fall into that trap. They they get going and you know slow black uh, slow it down late. Yeah. All right. Let's move over to the Detroit Lions side. Uh, what are what are some of your expectations? Carry on uh, having nice game after nice game, uh, but the Bears defense is pretty stout. Um, we got you got Marvin. Uh, is he out again this week? Um, so is it another Galladay day? What are, what are you expecting here from the Lions? Well, with the Lions, on Johnson's probably definitely out at this point. Uh, there was thoughts that he could have torn an ACL, but it looked like he avoided serious injury and has more of just a knee sprain, uh, which isn't the greatest news on a quick turnaround. But, you know, a couple of weeks you could have that guy back in your lineup. But that means you're looking at more. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt is the grinder, and Theo Riddick is the pass catcher. And if the Bears are able to you know, sort of establish a lead, Theo Riddick's going to be the guy you want. I don't think LeGarrette Blunt's the guy you want anything to do with, and the Bears have allowed the fewest rushing touchdowns to running backs on the season. So, you know, his touchdown probability isn't all that high. Uh, looking at the rest of the offense, you know, Marvin Jones is going to face another tough task, you know, quick turnaround, trying to get back himself. So I don't know if we're going to see him. And if we don't, that means Galladay is going to be the man again. Um, And he looked great doing it. You know, the other guys who sort of stepped up in his place, uh, you know, was Bruce Ellington who had nine targets. But, you know, he's also a guy who's banged up and may not play. So the Lions have injuries all over that offensive side. Uh, On the defensive side, they may have just been playing it a little bit safer yesterday with Ziggy Anza, Darius Slay, and Snacks Harrison, all limited participants in practice. Um, but, man, they're beat up on the offensive side of the football. You know, Stafford's you know, losing offensive linemen, and the Bears have been able to get a lot of pressure and were able to get a lot of pressure on him uh, the last time these two teams played. Yep. All right. Uh, let's, do, um, ooh, let's do a little bit of a move on to – our uh, second game on Thanksgiving, 
Uh, and that is going to be the Redskins are going to be down in um, at AT&T Stadium in playing Dallas. Uh, before we get into this game, though, let's do a favor and listen to a word from our sponsor. All right, sad news to see Alex Smith broke his leg. Uh, that was not a pretty sight. Uh, poor guy. He's gonna at his age. He's gonna be a. He'll be fine. I think he'll come back, but it's gonna be a battle for him. Um, and in his place, we've got Colt McCoy. Uh, what are your expectations with Colt McCoy? Seems like it might help uh, Doxon and definitely Jordan Reed a little bit. They got going um, once Colt got in the game. Uh, what are your expectations in this matchup for some of the Redskins offensive guys? I mean, going from Alex Smith to Colt McCoy doesn't look like that big of a difference when you look at the two quarterbacks and you know how they distribute the football. Uh, but Jordan Reed is the guy who got a slight boost with, it, with him in the game. Uh, I think that's something that continues. The other players, though, uh, you know, Maurice Harris is a guy who was locked on to by Alex Smith. I don't think that's something that may continue, you know, as feverishly. Uh, But really, it's the Adrian Peterson offense. Um, You know, he's going to be the main cog in that offense because this is a team, you know, with Chris Thompson also banged up and probably questionable at best. You know, Peterson's their best weapon um, besides Jordan Reed, and I think he's going to continue, and he rushed for two times. Uh, he's got the fourth most touchdowns in his career in NFL history, and, you know, against this Dallas Cowboy team, uh, the, you know, this is a team still battling for the NFC East, even without Alex Smith. That doesn't change, but their best chance to win is Adrian Peterson. So I think it's Adrian Peterson and Jordan Reed, and then I'm avoiding all the wide receiver pass catchers. Well, cool. let's go over to the Lions. Sad news. Um, or not Lions, sorry, Cowboys. Um, Michael Gallups uh, was playing back home in Atlanta in the game against the Falcons. Uh, had his fam- a bunch of his family and everything there. I don't know the de- inner details, but it sounds like his brother committed suicide after the game or like during the game or something. Uh, awful, awful news. So we're thinking about Michael Gallup. That's that's just that's Brutskis. Um, let's uh, uh, go to Dak Prescott. Um, I think it was uh, Barrett Scott Barrett mentioned that uh, last night it was, or maybe today, uh, but this date uh, two years ago or three, yeah, two years ago maybe uh, is when Dak Prescott replaced Tony Romo, healthy Tony Romo. I uh, wonder if that idea is still great for uh, for the Cowboys and their winning percentage since. Uh, definitely uh, has been, it taken a hit a little bit. Uh, what do you think in this game, Cowboys-wise, uh, they can get done? Just Elliott's just a machine, gets all the, gets all the carries, um, and throwing up some serious points. Uh, can Amari do anything in this one? What, what are your expectations for some of the weapons on the Cowboys? Yeah, Zeke's definitely locked in. I also think Amari Cooper is sort of locked in. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper, his target share has been great ever since joining the Cowboys. Uh, he seems to be running really crisp routes, really uh, committed to the offense, committed to learning it. So uh, Amari should be locked in. 
But, you know, other than Zeke and Amari Cooper, the next closest player is probably Dak Prescott. Uh, and going up against a tough Washington Redskins team uh, that's, you know, still got some players on the defensive side of the ball um, and, and can really, you know, play against the pass. And Josh Norman's looks pretty well revitalized um, and they can get some picks. You know, I, I don't really like Dak, but like Dak will be good if he finds the end of the rusher. Um, you know, the Washington Redskins have allowed two rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks this season. Um, but I just don't love anything about it. It's just sort of mediocre. Gotcha. Cool. Well, uh, let's move on to the last game on Thursday night. We've got the Falcons going down to New Orleans to play the Saints. Um, what are your expectations uh Matt Ryan, uh, that team's just kind of uh, seems like he had a lot of drops uh, on him last week uh, at a time when the Falcons need the, uh, the their offense to kind of win games for him and take over. Uh, it's not happening. What uh, Julio's getting it done, obviously, but it seems like it's pretty mediocre games for the rest of the cast. What are your thoughts in this matchup? Is, can a lot of fantasy points be thrown around because, you know, you obviously know you're going to have to put up some serious points to even stay in the same hemisphere as the Saints? Yeah, I do think that sort of lines up well for the Atlanta Falcons, but then we sort of thought that last week, uh, you know, for the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Saints sort of just came out there and stepped on some throats. Um, but, you know, Ryan's been playing extremely well, this season, the last time these two teams met up, met up, he threw for 374 yards and five touchdowns. Um, you know, in the division games, this uh, last three, he's got over a thousand yards, ten touchdowns, and one int. Uh, you know, what he does on Thursdays is usually great, and on prime time. So I look for this offense to be you know, pretty successful and Julio Jones is starting to find the end zone. You know, it's almost a streak. We we can call it that now. So that's just adding to his weekly upside. Um, You know, Tevin Coleman's, you know, 80 to 110 scrimmage yards a week. Ito Smith uh, is really just a sparingly used, you know, secondary back. Um, we thought he maybe was going to be a little more than that. That seemed to have fallen off a little bit. He's a guy getting, you know, six to 10 touches on a weekly basis, but Tevin's the lead dog there in an offense that should score some points and be in a position to score points. So I, I like Tevin Coleman. I like Julio, um, like in Austin Hooper as the tight end position gets thinned out even a little bit more with the loss of OJ Howard for the season. Um, and you know, the fringe players are really Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Sanu. What can they do? Uh, and this actually shapes up pretty good for them with, you know, Marshawn Lattimore likely on Julio Jones, you know, being that secondary weapon, you know, should be pretty good for a guy like Calvin Ridley. And this is sort of one of those games where it it lines up well. So I, I think Ridley's a flex play for me this week. Sweet. Um, 
let's go over to the Saints side. Obviously, we saw um, the rookie, Traquan, light it up last week, uh, 157 yards. And obviously, it just looks like uh, him and, and, and Drew Brees are getting it done. I mean, Michael Thomas to be in your lineup, total stud, that fucking guy. And um, what else do you like? The running back seems uh, seems like there's enough uh, fantasy football volume to go for both of those guys. Kamara, you're starting. And, you know, Ingram looked fucking pretty awesome last week as well. Yeah, and against the Atlanta Falcons, you want all the running backs you can get. They've allowed 85 receptions to running backs so far. season. Uh, in 10 games, so, you know, you could do the math there to figure out how many that is per game. They are allowing the most fantasy points uh, per game in PPR, the third most in standard leagues. Um, you know, 10, t- 10 rushing touchdowns allowed. You're starting both Ingram Kamara. Like, I can make this real simple. I, I think you're starting all the Saints, and, and that includes Traquan Smith, who, you know, coming off a zero target performance was heavily involved in the game plan. And, you know, after losing Dedrick Bryant and sort of signing Brandon Marshall but not playing him last week, they're still looking for depth pieces there. But, you know, him as the number two wide receiver provides a dynamic that Michael Thomas doesn't have. Michael Thomas is one of the best pass catchers ever. I mean, catching 90% of his targets so far this season, uh, that's absolutely ridiculous. The highest catch rate by a wide receiver ever, I think, is Wes Welker at somewhere around 77 or 78%. So he's just smashing that. Um, Trey Khan's the ultimate deep threat who's also doing it a little bit more, you know, across the middle and, and you know, doing his thing vertically. So that's yep. good. Very, very true. Cool. Uh, Saints pop them in, and the Falcons uh, looking pretty good for a bunch of their guys. Um, for the reason Stag Party said, they're going to have to get score some points to stay in this bad daddy. Let's move over to the early slate of Sunday games, November 25th. Uh, we got the Browns going to the Bengals. Uh-oh, their old coach, Hugh, is on the staff of the Bengals. Uh, what do you think? They're coming off a bye week. The Browns had a couple weeks to prepare for this one. Um, and the last game that we saw, we just saw an absolute explosion for Nick Chubb. Uh, let's start in the backfield, I suppose, on this one. What do you – and I, I think Duke John- Johnson has been playing pretty great over the last three. What are your thoughts in this matchup? Yeah, I think you know Nick Chubb should be locked into your lineups as a top ten option this week. You know, going up against the Bengals, who are allowing boatloads of fantasy points to anybody and have allowed more fantasy points than any team in the league over the last five weeks, uh, I think you're starting those guys with reckless abandon. Uh, nobody's allowed more points to running backs uh, over those last five weeks than the Cincinnati Bengals. So Nick Chubb's absolutely locked in. That makes for an interesting flex play in Duke Johnson. Uh, a little bit more uh, of an RB2 in PPR leagues, but standard leagues, he's even contention for, you know, uh, flex play. The guys who really need to step up for this team are the pass-catching wide receivers. You know, Jarvis Landry, uh, 
and his only career matchup uh, against the Bengals caught seven passes for 61 yards um, and is basically what has one touchdown on the season and, and just isn't wowing anybody. The, the catches have been there, but they've been even more empty uh, than they were before. And yeah, he has two touchdowns on the season. Excuse me. But man, you know, five, two catches on five opportunities last game, six catches for 50, uh, eight for 39, 10 for 97, all the way back uh, in week seven. But against that atrocious Tampa Bay defense, he, he really just hasn't gotten it done and been this number one wide receiver that many were expecting him to, uh, you know, especially when they went out and traded Josh Gordon for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, they must have really not liked that, dude. Um, cool. Uh, hopefully this week uh, gives them a little bit of time to uh, heal their bodies and uh, get 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 back to this back half of the season. Um, I know I just I test. I'd like to see Baker Mayfield um, kind of uh, bringing it uh, a bit harder, and uh, this seems like it could be a, a good matchup uh, for him. At the same time, uh, the Bengals are on a, such a skid right now. They they're facing the Browns at the perfect time. Let's go to the Bengals side of the ball. Uh, question I asked you for this week, you know, I, I, we didn't mention it, but the bye weeks are the the two teams that played last night in what that was just the most ridiculous game ever. Uh, good God, that game was fucking awesome. Chiefs, the first team in NFL history to score fifty and lose. Uh, that's in the history of the league. Uh, the I think we said last week. The, that the spread over under for the game was uh, the highest it had been in 18 years or so uh, in a long time. And it, they could, they should have gone 40 higher. Uh, what was it? 63 or something. If they'd done a hundred, they still would have topped it. Pretty fucking crazy. That game was awesome. You know, it just basically came down to um, Mahomes, two fumbles, return picks, uh, return for touchdowns. Uh, but I'm pretty excited. I would love to see that be the AFC Championship. But Rams, Chiefs, those guys are on bye weeks. Uh, I have Mahomes in the league. I asked a couple weeks ago what you thought. What you thought about Andy Dalton in um, as a as a streamer at quarterback for this week? Um, you kind of were like with AJ Green out. It's pretty tough for Dalton, and it's not it's not a not a great situation um, across the board for the Bengals. Um, you. Tell me more about that, and can Mixon start turning around? It feels like Mixon is, uh, for me, been a disappointment. I, I, I was hoping that he was going to be doing uh, getting more yards on the ground than he has so far. Yeah, um, so it's really going to depend if AJ because I think that's a definite possibility here for this week. And if so, you know you're slotting him into your lineup. Uh, even though it will probably be followed around by rookie sensation Denzel Ward. Uh, you know, Green's just played well when he's in the lineup. Uh, you know, in eight games, he's averaging, you know, just 85 yards a game and, you know, has six touchdowns in those eight games. So I expect him to be back out there uh, potentially. You know, he's such a safe target getter, but he also opens things up vertically for guys like Tyler Boyd, Um, you know, gives more room for John Ross and more attention off of John Ross. 
you know, also what he does for the tight end position and, and for giving Mixon more room. Uh, you know, Mixon's been good. We saw that one sort of dominant performance, you know, just a couple weeks ago in the yardage um, realm, but they're doing Bengals things where they're running so few plays again. And, you know, over the last two weeks, he has just 12 and 11 carries when they've sort of been out of it. Uh, and they really weren't out of it against Baltimore. They had, uh, the game pretty well in hand for much of it but he just wasn't able to get anything going against them. Um, but if they somehow end up trailing here to Cleveland, Joe Mixon's a guy who can leave the field in favor of Gio Bernard a little bit too often to feel uh, completely comfortable. But, you know, this offense between running so few plays and then when they don't want to run the ball – it's just tough to be completely in love with Joe Mixon. But when he's out there, he's got RB1 volume typically. And at worst, he's finding the end zone at a high rate this season. Uh, he's not catching the ball as much as you want either. That's something that's really a strength in his game. But they just don't seem to want to use him in that area. I agree. Uh, John Ross has a, a, a had TD last week and the week before. He's going for three in a row. Tyler Boyd, look at the uh, look at that guy. When you look at season statistics, comparing him to like Jarvis, like you said, their wide receiver one, um, he's got 156 more yards, one less catch, and three more TDs than Jarvis Landry. Uh, so Tyler Boyd really coming into um, into the moment as that uh, wide receiver two opposite of AJ Green. Obviously, the last game and a half or so, uh, AJ's been out. Uh, so I think keep your eyes, see if AJ Green is going to play in this one. It changes the dynamic for the Bengals offense in a lot of ways. Let's head to um, our next game, and that's going to be the 49ers at the Buccaneers. Putrid defense. Uh, what do you think? Can uh, can Nick Mullins keep uh, keep going and, and get some damage done here? Uh, what's going on with Breida? Kittle's dominating. What are your expectations from the Niners side? Which guys do you think we should slot in and play, and which guys are you a little bit uh, tepid on? I mean, I think you should ride Nick Mullins if you're looking for a streamer this week. Unless you're able to go out and pick up his counterpart in Jameis Winston off waivers, I think Nick Mullins is one of the two or three best streamers this week. You look at – Things like expected points added, you know, per dropback and, you know, PFF grade and all those areas where they're grading him, of course, on a small sample, he's played really well. Um, you know, besides that first game where he completed 72% of his passes for 262 yards and three scores, you know, the second game saw him complete you know, nearly 70% of his passes for 250 yards. He did end up throwing, you know, two interceptions to one TD and hasn't really done anything as a rusher uh, and probably won't. But, you know, executing the offense and getting the ball out quick to guys like George Kittle, allowing him to run after the catch is something that he's doing really well. So, uh, against this future defense of Tampa Bay, I do like Nick Mullins' chances uh, for success. Um, you know, Matt Breida likely even further entrenched. We've got to remember before the bye week, there was 
you know, uh, another pretty gruesome injury to uh, Raheem Mostert. And, and that's going to uh, ascend Alfred Morris to RB2 de- uh, duties yet again. But Breed is the guy you want there. In week 10, he had 132 scrimmage yards, two touchdowns. Uh, it was his first multi-career touchdown game, and he's averaging you know 5.6 yards per carry, which is the leader in the NFL. Uh, they're opening up great holes for him on the offensive line. So Breida should be locked into your lineups against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are allowing fantasy points and trolls to opposing, you know, running backs. George Kittle, you know, coming back from a bye week, he had a career high nine receptions, but he's on pace uh, to nearly break the yak um, record for a tight end since Yak's been a recorded statistic. It hasn't been all that long, however. Um, so when that ball is in his hands, he's tough to tackle. He's fast. Um, and he should be locked into your lineups. Uh, other guys at wide receiver, um, I'm a little more bearish on guys like Marquise Goodwin uh, than the rest of the community, but He's had a couple of good road games um, and just has found the end zone over his last couple. Cool. Let's uh, head over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side. Crazy stat. They, the Buccaneers had more yards than the Rams did this week. The Rams scored, what, 54 or 53, and the Bucs scored three points this week. How is it possible that you can get more? What? Yeah. The Bucs didn't score three points this week. How many did they score last week? Two weeks ago, they scored three, but last week, uh, James Winston had two passing touchdowns. Maybe, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was two weeks ago then that he was referring to that they had more yards than the Rams. Yeah. Did. Okay, they had, I they had two weeks ago. They had more yards than the Rams that had last night, and then they only scored three points. Crazy. Yeah, it was literally one of the biggest outliers in NFL. You know history in terms of yardage and points scored. Um, These guys so, can't get it done, huh? Uh, what do you think? We, we know Fitz Magic uh, Part Two is uh, over. Uh, we got Winston is uh, back in. <laughs> this is like, uh, as Mo would say, it's like whack a mole on who's going to play quarterback for this team. Uh, what do you expect out of uh, the, the offense with Jameis at the helm? The thing is, you should expect good things. This offense, you know, when you look at both the quarterbacks combined, has thrown for more yardage through 10 games than any other offense in the history of the league. Um, so you want, you know, they, they've been better than the greatest show on turf when you combine their quarterbacks. Uh, these guys are absolutely dominant. So, if Jameis is out there on the waiver wire, which he probably is in a lot of one QB leagues, you should be looking to stream him, especially against the San Francisco 49ers defense, uh, that their two lead interception guys, there's two, and they have one interception each and have forced five uh, total uh, takeaways on the season. You know, this is a battle of a team that, 
can't really get turnovers versus a team that wants to turn it over more than any team in the league as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have 29 giveaways on the season. Um, So, you know, looking at that, Jameis Winston looks a a little bit safer, even in sort of big penalty leagues uh, where maybe you have minus three or minus four per interception. Um, He's got a negative touchdown interception ratio, but the yards are there. They're pushing the ball down the field over the last five weeks. uh, Nobody has more air yards than Mike Evans. So he should be locked into your lineup. Uh, Peyton Barber has been getting it done uh, at the running back position, rushed for a career high 106 yards last week. And he's providing a pretty decently safe floor you know, picking up 60, 70, or 80 scrimmage yards, and and now he's adding finding the red zone to that uh, ability. Um, So, you know, all those guys should be locked in. Adam Humphreys um, has three touchdown catches over his last three games, been pretty involved, Uh, but it's like whack-a-mole for the rest of the wide receivers. Deshaun Jackson really hasn't done anything, you know, as of late. Um but against the 49ers in his career, he averages 94 uh, yards a game. So it, it, it's a tough task being ass, but the, things are moving. I don't know if you mentioned it, but uh, Cameron Brait, good pickup, is available off the waiver wire for uh, in a lot of leagues. Uh, Houdini just uh, posted uh, the this week's pickup waiver wire article. And he's, uh, he's a guy that definitely um, in a land of uh, weird tight endness uh, that breaks is looks pretty good with no OJ and with Winston uh, who we know likes Bray as a, as a weapon um, across the field, but also especially in the red zone. So a good pickup is Cameron Bray. Uh, what's his name? OJ Howard done for this season. Let's move over to the Jaguars at the Bills. But before we do so, do us a favor and listen to this. All right, Jaguars coming off just a gut-wrenching loss uh, to Pittsburgh. Had that game, just they just looked like they had it in tow, and um, they're just the, the, the clock didn't run out quick enough. Last second play. Uh, Big Ben pulls it out. I got my dog hitting the door over here. But uh, so I'm going to let you do the uh, Jaguars, um, do a little rundown there. And if I'm not back, uh, carry it over to the Bills. Stag's muted. Um, All right. We will not be doing that then. Uh, Maybe Stag stepped away himself. Um, but yeah, Blake Bortles, worst quarterback uh, around. They did everything they could last week in that Pittsburgh game for Blake Bortles not to lose the game for him. Uh, he still was able to do that. Um, he's just, I mean, just not, not, uh, not getting it done. I think we are seeing the end of that guy's uh, career as a uh, starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but Fournette obviously had come had a nice game um, last week. Doing uh, since coming back from the injury, he's been getting a shitload of carries and a lot of opportunity, um, which you like to see. Um, Yeldon obviously you're probably uh, gonna maybe think about putting him in there too, just because 
there's really nothing happening from the wide receiver side of action. And uh, you just, uh, yeah, I don't know, it just feels like when you're playing against uh, Buffalo Bills, I don't have uh, power power rankings up uh, to get what their stats are, but I can do it. Um, yeah, the Buffalo Bills are, you know, they're a moderately tough defense, but the way you really want to attack the Buffalo Bills is with your run game. So I look for Leonard Fournette to be the main cog in this offense, and he sort of has been the main cog, you know, whenever healthy. Uh, he has games where he could see 20, 25, 30 touches, and this looks the one that's going to be a low-scoring game between two pretty good defenses, and they're not going to ask much of Blake Bortles. Um, yeah, they've got the – the Bills are the best – at uh, fantasy against quarterbacks and wide receivers. They're number one in the NFL, uh, allowing the least amount of points um, to those two positions. So it's going to be happening through the ground game. Um, could Yeldon be a guy that you would want to slot in, or are you just uh, thinking that the volume goes all the Leonard Fournette? I think the volume goes all the Leonard Fournette, and they want to uh, you know keep him going. But Leonard Fournette, has been the main cog and is going to continue to be. But if somehow the Bills are able to get up here, you know, you're going to see a little bit more of TJ Yeldon than you like. What? Why did they even trade for Carlos Hyde? It seems like they don't even use him. Well, they. I think they had a lot more uncertainty about when uh, you know, Leonard Fournette was going to be back, and they just didn't have an identity, and they needed something. But – they might have a little bit, you know, he's got a, a three-year deal, and with T.J. Yeldon uh, hitting free agency next year, you've got a guy who's, you know, proven that he could be a, you know, big power back but also catch some passes. So they won't lose any identity whenever Leonard Burnett's off the field in maybe future seasons. You know, feel bad for Hyde. Um, anything to speak of in these wide receivers? They're kind of all over the map, or do you want to bounce over to the other side? I mean, it, it's been Dante Moncrief who's sort of been their most consistent. Uh, but you know, when we're talking about most consistent, consistent for the Jaguars, it, it's really not consistency when you look at other teams. Uh, this is a team that just wants to play it very, you know, tight to the vest. Uh, they don't want to push the ball down the field uh, all that often. It, and when they do, it's sort of a design shot play, you know, to get a guy open. But, you know, previous to last week, he had had 10, 7, and 4 targets. But, you know, the yardage was there, 76, 54, and 98. But against Pittsburgh, he just wasn't able to get anything going. Uh, and that was another game where, they thought they were going to win it the whole way through, and it just got taken away and snatched up at the end. Sure did. Um, okay, let's go over to the Buffalo Bills side. Obviously, an anemic offense. Uh, Barkley uh, come in and has looked a little bit better than obviously Peterman, but uh, Josh Allen had had some sparks where he was using his legs. But is it a Barkley start or is uh, game time? Is Josh's elbow maybe going to allow him to play? Josh might be back this week. Uh, and this is going to be a tough test for him. 
Uh, you know, passing the ball, it just doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of success. So if he's going to have any success, it might be with his legs. Um, I'm just not looking for a lot to happen with the Buffalo Bills on offense, except for maybe LaShawn McCoy, who showed some flashes in the last game uh, that he was active uh, before the bye week. And, you know, without Chris Ivory, potentially – uh, it, it gives LaShawn McCoy a little higher touch total potentially. All right. And he had Zay Jones had, had his best game probably as a pro, but uh, going back and you're having to face Jalen Ramsey, um, not, not, a, not a good time. So let's move on to the Raiders game at the Ravens. We'll start with the Raiders. Um, you know, Derek Carr and John Gruden having a little sideline spat. Things aren't going great in uh, in Raider Nation. They're two and eight currently, uh, and obviously we know the Ravens are one of the better uh, defenses out there. They're actually the best defense, um, and it's going to allow the least amount of fantasy points to opposing teams. And the Raiders, uh, I think I saw their depth chart of wide receivers. I swear to God, I I only knew one guy. I only knew one guy. Uh, their wide receivers uh, pretty much um, at this point because of the injuries across the board, um, it's, it's, it's a bunch of cast-offs. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, the, the problem with this game for a fantasy football perspective is it's probably two teams that don't want to play all that fast, so there's going to be slow pace on each side of the football uh, you know, for the Raiders side, the pecking order at wide receiver is still to be determined after Brandon LaFell, you know, tore his Achilles. The guy who really stepped up and played a bunch of snaps was, you know, Marcel Aitman, uh, who, you know, comes from a Big 12 passing offense and has a lot of accomplishments next to, uh, you know, James Washington. But he's not a proven prospect by any means. The rest of these guys are sort of, you know, Seth Roberts and return specialists mixed in. Uh, And there's just not a lot of talent right there. But, you know, Jared Cook looks like the best play out of all their pass catchers. And it's actually the best way to attack the Baltimore Ravens. But the issue with that is if he's running routes over the field, Derek Carr doesn't want to throw the ball there. Derek Carr just doesn't want to turn the ball over right now. He's got like this, uh, it's like, if I don't throw picks, I won't get benched. Is seems to be his line of thinking. And he's throwing the ball into the ground. Um, even besides that, you know, people were streaming, me included, you know, the Arizona Cardinals defense uh, because you can get pressure on him, but he's not turning the ball over. They're below average in um, turnovers and giveaways on the season. So I, I look for, you know, not much. You know, Doug Martin's got an ankle and Jalen Rashard maybe, and he's Char- Charlie Garner, right? Charlie Joyner. I read that. I was dying. He's like Charlie Garner. Like the guy is such an idiot. It's like, dude. Let's 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 do comps with, with today's players. I mean, Charlie Garner was a good running back for like two seasons back in the turn of the century. But it's hilarious when he does this shit. Uh, Gruden's an idiot. Let's move over to the Ravens. 
And um, obviously exciting stuff there. But Lamar Jackson ran the ball for what, 28 times or something. Uh, I don't know how he's going to be able to uh, hold uh, and stay healthy with that, but that's not my worry. Uh, I think if you've got Lamar Jackson or he's available, it could be uh, could be some fun times. He's a dynamic player. Uh, Alex Collins got a TD last week, but it really looked like an emergence of uh, the rookie from Rutgers, Gus Edwards. Um, can that happen? Is this something where Edwards is now going to be thrust into a lot more touches, or was that just kind of a, a certain setting in that game that Collins, uh, who also got a bunch of touches as well, uh, but is it Gus Edwards? Is that a good pickup moving forward or no? Yeah, Gus Edwards is a good pickup moving forward. He, he is 6'1", two, you know, 230 pounds, uh, big dude who, you know, can push people around, and when you've got you know, a quarterback who's running these QB powers and QB reads, uh, you know, sort of like Alfred Morris RG3 dynamic, you know, a couple years back, you're getting something similar. The grinder finds ways to always be pushing. And then the quarterback, you know, he's getting his three to four yards. And then suddenly you're, you know, third down and two, and they're not putting all the pressure on Lamar Jackson to, you know, have to convert third and longs. Um, it's not something they seemed interested in. Uh, Gus Edwards is a four or five, seven guy, but at 200 and, you know, 30 ish pounds, that's a pretty, you know, healthy um, speed score. He, he could push the pile. He, he just looks like he had a little bit more juice and Alex Collins um, just hasn't looked all that special. He's been a, you know, byproduct of volume for the season. And, you know, Javorius Allen's been there. But it just seems like they want a little bit more juice coming from that running back position. They just haven't gotten it. Uh, against the Raiders, I do think Gus Edwards is probably an RB2 play. Uh, if you're absolutely bone desperate, you could probably stick Alex Collins in a, spot, in a flex spot and hope for a touchdown. But other than that... Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, he's going to be very, very scoring system dependent, right? Like super large bonuses for 300 passing yards. You know, Lamar Jackson may not be your guy unless you're also getting, you know, the same size bonuses for 100 rushing yards. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's six points for all TDs, you're going to look to maybe more traditional passer after he failed to find the end zone. But in a league where it's four passing touchdowns, maybe minus one for interceptions, um, you could do worse than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and when you're going against the Raiders, who are a bottom five defense across the board, um, you know they're not. Can't get pressure. You're 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 liking what you're going to see with uh, Lamar Jackson and and see if he can uh, get another big uh, big out performance. So let's move over to the next game. Seahawks are going to be down playing the Panthers. Um, I'll let you do your thing. I got to tend to Daisy for a second. Uh, just run rattle through that. I got to tell her to stop scratching the door. 
Yeah, this is a pretty big game for both of these teams' sort of playoff chances. Uh, if if the Seahawks can sort of pull even with the Panthers, get to six and five, that's a huge thing for them. But looking at how these two offenses and defenses want to play football, they're pretty similarly constructed. Um, you know, Seattle Seahawks. Chris Carson came back from his you know injury that had kept him out a week. Uh, he's been on or off, but he was pretty effective going 17 for 83, but did lose a touchdown. Uh, it did look for a majority of that game that Rashad Penny was the second preferred rusher, but then they used Mike Davis as the sort of preferred pass catcher out of the backfield. So it was a smorgasbord of all three of their wide, uh, running backs. Uh, I prefer the order of Carson, Penny, and um, Davis now at wide receiver. You know, a couple of their guys were able to get it done last week. Tyler Lockett um, and, you know, Doug Baldwin was able to find the end. So I look for Baldwin to be pretty good here coming out of the slot against the Panthers, um, you know, catching a lot of potential tight end routes. Uh, against the Panthers, who are allowing a good number two tight ends, uh, it, I look for you know Tyler Lockett to be able to take that deep shot down the field, but I just don't look for anything major from this passing offense. We've yet to see Russell Wilson, you know, throw for over three hundred yards this season. Uh, I, I ran a poll on Twitter where fifty-two percent of people don't expect him to have at least one of those games this year. So it's right there. It's maybe a 50-50 shot in one of these, you know, upcoming six games. He throws for 300 yards. I don't know if this is the week to do it, but the Panthers may be able to really affect him against the run game. Uh, If so, then maybe this is a shot for this offense to get it going throughout the air, but uh, flipping over to the other side, this is another team that wants to do it on the ground first. Uh, but when they can't, they've added more weaponry that allows them to pass. And, um, you know, Curtis Samuel made a great play to score a touchdown. DJ Moore put somebody on skates and Darius Slay uh, running a route for a touchdown and had a huge day. I look for DJ Moore to, you know, continue that prominence. And it's really started to you know, cut into, um, you know, Devin Funches, who's becoming more of a four or a five for 50 type of player who really needs a touchdown to save his day. But with Greg Olson out there, you know, also playing well and playing well in the red zone, they're using him flexed out at wide receiver uh, against DBs for his size advantage. I, th- I think it's working out well for all the guys except for Devin Funches. Uh, Cam Newton's been a huge play, um, and the schedule um, going against the Seahawks isn't the best game, but then it opens up for Cam Newton going forward. I look for Cam to be one of the better quarterbacks over the rest of the season, like he has been for much of the season. Um, He's really having a career here. You're seeing the weapons finally where they've got these athletes that Samuel's healthy and he's kind of getting some his spots and obviously we know DJ Moore highly it was the top highest uh, uh, picked wide receiver in the draft in this year 
and he's looking good. He's, he's starting to gel. So uh, I think Cam's got better weapons right now than, than I can ever remember. Remember the year they went to the Super Bowl, it was Funches and Benjamin, uh, whatever his, yeah, Calvin Benjamin. Uh, I mean, just two huge low. Yeah, Calvin Benjamin was out. Remember? Oh, that's right. He wasn't even in the Super Bowl, but yeah, that he was the, he was with them during that year. But like literally, like he, he just hasn't had weapons. He's been deprived, and now he's got. Uh, he's got some playmakers, so and he's using them. And then he got old, reliable uh, Greg Olson. I don't think he's had a touchdown longer than two yards all season, but he's getting <laughs> he's getting a touchdown every week. Um, let's go to the Patriots at the Jets. <clears throat> uh, you got Tom Brady, obviously owns these, these guys. They own the Jets. Uh, I'll let you do your thing. I don't even know what to really. Uh, who do you, who are you locking in on this one? I mean, I think you're locking in Tom Brady, but you're not doing that with any sort of confidence anymore. He's more of a back-end QB1, but he's won seven of his eight starts um, against the Jets. You know, Bill Belichick is 27-11 against the Jets in his career. Uh, They're averaging 28 points on offense. Brady's got 17 uh, touchdowns with the seven interceptions. But, you know, they could get Sony Michelle back here. It definitely looks like he's going to be back in the lineup. And if that's the case, they might go with a little bit more of this I-formation run game uh, and sort of keep the Jets down even though they don't need to. But, you know, looking at this team, it, it's – I think you're starting both the running backs as either – RB2s or flexes. We're supposed to get Rob Gronkowski back. Uh, and, and last game, you know, he played on the road against the Jets. He had six for 83 and two touchdowns. Um, he's had 80-plus receiving yards in two of the last three. Julian Edelman, you know, banged up his ankle the week before the bye. But he had nine catches and 104 yards before that. Um and Josh Gordon over the last four games with the Patriots is averaging nearly 90 yards per and, you know, has a touchdown. So I think you're looking at starting pretty much everybody on the Patriots side of the ball because they need they need one of their signature wins where they just put it to a team. They haven't really had one of those recently. So I, I think they're going to put it down after sort of a disappointing 34 to 10 loss to the Tennessee Titans. I think they really need to put it down and, you know, remind people that they are the Patriots. Especially because then the Titans go this week and play last week and played the Colts and they got absolutely annihilated. Um, so that, you know, while the Colts look amazing uh, right now and are in a great groove, you know, just when, when you get your ass whipped by Tennessee and then that same team gets their ass whipped by the Colts, can't be saying a good thing about the current state of the Patriots. I completely agree with that statement. Let's move over to the Jets side. Darnold going to be uh, back. I read a couple things today. He's he, he's he's not practicing, but his foot's getting better. Is it a thing where you think it's McCown again? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you go out and you rush your you know future franchise quarterback back, uh, especially when you. Uh, are hurting for weapons on the offensive side of the football. Um, guys aren't really establishing themselves, but Josh McCown was flat out terrible the last time he played. 
and that's something that wasn't that expected going up against Buffalo and with how well he sort of played the previous year before. But, you know, it, it seems like going from Morton to, you know, Jeremy Bates uh, ha- hasn't been a great thing for this offense. Uh, you know, guys are coming out and saying that they haven't been well coached for a Week 17 game in 2015 under Bowles. Uh, from Daryl Rivas. So things are just getting interesting in Jet Country. I think this is sort of a lost season for them where everybody's looking forward to sort of moving on. And if that's the case, I don't think you're out here throwing Sam Darnold, you know, to the Wolves, you know, against the Patriots who have been, you know, better getting pressure this season than past. So I, I do think we're going to end up seeing Josh McCown again. And if so, I don't really love anyone. He hasn't shown that really deep connection with, you know, Robbie Anderson, but Robbie Anderson should be a little bit healthier coming off the bye week. Uh, Quincy Quincy Inunua had 109 yards against the Patriots uh, last time they played. Um, He's been pretty consistent, Um, but, you know, the upside hasn't been there and, you know, Chris Herndon's maybe a, a tight end, too. He's the only rookie tight end right now with 250-plus receiving yards and three touchdowns this season, uh, but he's still a rookie tight end. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, you know, he had a rush touchdown. But other than that, you know, I guess, I guess he's played well at home. I, I, I don't – I'm not de- going out there to start Jets. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. All right, let's go to the next game. New York Giants um, are going to be visiting the slumping Eagles. Giants on a little bit of a a two-game winning streak here, only bringing in the three wins. And the Philadelphia Eagles look like they are um, imploding before our eyes. Uh, Super Bowl slump or not, they do not look like a team that was hoisting the hardware last year. And let's be honest, it seems like Wentz is regressing a bit. So we'll start with the <clears throat> excuse me. We'll start with the Giants, and um, I'm going to quickly go get some water. Do your thing. The Giants just have had trouble beating this Philadelphia Eagles team. They can still get after the quarterback a little bit, but on the back end, they are so beat up uh, through the course of the season that uh, the only player you can name out there is Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, you know, they're really losing guys, you know, left and right. Um, so it, it, it lines up great for Eli Manning and for guys like Odell and Evan Ingram to do it as pass catchers. Um, you know, Sterling Shepard as well. Barkley as a pass catcher, it lines up well for him. They are still pretty tough against opposing, you know, run games, but um, – the Saints showed some holes in that and some weaknesses in that. Um, it's just hard thinking about going all in on Eli Manning. But I, I think you're a lot more comfortable going in on Saquon, going in on Odell. Uh, you know, Sterling Shepard, you, you have to see a touchdown for him in the works. Uh, but other than that, now, I, I think it's pretty clear who you're going to. There's no real fringe guys. They've absolutely just avoided their wide receiver three, you know, on the season. 
and uh, you know Evan Ingram looked fairly explosive, wasn't really involved, but did have a 54-yard catch, uh, which is career long for him. A lot of it coming on yak yardage uh, last week. So you know, start the weapons. You know, I'm still not going to Eli. Can't make me do it. Not gonna do it. Wouldn't be pretty. Let's do the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. <clears throat> um, yeah, as I said, Wentz looking like he's regressed a bit. Uh, what, what's your take on fantasy wise? Um, you know, the emergence of Josh Adams is he gonna? He hasn't really done too much, but there's been buzz kind of brewing up about him. He had a t- touchdown last week, um, and it looks like they're gonna kind of maybe start heading towards him a bit more. Do you agree with that? I mean, this offense as a whole just didn't look right last week. They've got a bunch of sort of injuries on the offensive line that really seems to be affecting Carson Wentz. But before, you know, that you know game, he was on a six-game stretch of two or three touchdown passes in every game, with every game being over 18 fantasy points a game. Um you know, he was completing over 66% of his passes in every single one of those games. Uh, against the Saints last week, it just didn't look right. And, you know, it's tough to say through three interceptions, which is, a, uh, I believe, a career high for him. Uh, tied a career high from his rookie year, uh, week 13 at Cincinnati. But... You know, it, the offense just didn't look right last week. They're having trouble integrating Golden Tate. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz really didn't get used after being one of the most targeted and receiving uh, highest reception players in the entire league last week. But I think Zach Ertz gets back uh, going. Um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey's probably a flex play. I don't think I'm playing either Golden Tate you know, or Nelson Aguilar. Uh, and, and the running back I do most want to play for this team is Josh Adams because he was out there for the most snaps. He was out there, uh, you know, as a route runner as well. Um, he looks to be the most explosive player in the backfield as a runner. And Corey Clement just looks, you know, sort of slow in that area. But, you know, Adams is averaging over six yards a carry. Um, he's not going to be a proven pass catcher. But in the last three games in which he's had nine, seven, and seven uh, carries, he's averaged 6.8, 6.7, 7.6, and did score that touchdown. But, you know, as a pass catcher, he was just three for six on his targets last week. Um I, I like Adams a lot in this matchup going against the Giants ever since they sort of traded Snacks Harrison. Uh, I think they are a pretty exploitable run defense. Yeah, 23rd right now, allowing uh, 21.1 fantasy points per game to uh, other teams running back, so they could get it done. But I like what you said at the beginning. The Eagles kind of seem to have the number of the Giants. Uh, hopefully they can turn around. And at the same time, I, I, I just like what I'm seeing out of the Giants. It feels like Odell's um, just kind of going out there playing ball, uh, killing it. Uh, and obviously Saquon Barkley is everything he was uh, cracked, up to be, cracked out to be. Cracked out to be. <laughs> um, 
Let's move on to the next matchup. You got anything else you want to talk about this one? Yeah, I mean, the the Eagles, real quick, in the last three games uh, against the Giants, 34, 34, and 27 points. So I, I do think there's a chance that these guys get rolling on the offensive side of the football here a little bit. Uh, I'm not too worried about their them having another craptastic game. It's good to know. Um, okay, early uh, the late games, first of the late games, uh, we've got three in the afternoon uh, this upcoming Sunday. Cardinals uh, head over to the Chargers to play there. And what are your uh, expectations um, for uh, the Chargers, who's kind of just lost in a stunner to Denver? Um, but we'll start with the visiting team, Cardinals. They lost to a stunner to Oakland. So both these teams are coming off pretty tough losses. Uh, but you got to like what you've been seeing since Les- Leftwich came around, uh, especially for Larry. Obviously, Rosen's getting better. And uh, uh, Kirk broke out and had a, had a huge play. It looks, it looks like it's coming together for the offense there. Yeah. Um, the offense wasn't great. There was a couple of these just – Hey, 55-yard screens, and, and he's gone um, to Christian Kirk. And then Larry was able to find the uh, end zone on his couple receptions, but really wasn't involved uh, as a target all that much in that game. Um, you know, David Johnson's been the workhorse, moving him up and down the field, and they're using him as a pass catcher, and they're using him inside and outside of the tackles, and they're doing everything right with David Johnson. And they're trying to take a lot of pressure off Josh Rosen, and, you know, that's not a bad strategy to play with. But their offensive line, you know, has major issues. Uh, the Chargers with, um, you know, Joey Bosa back last week, they, they've got another weapon on that defensive line, you know, with Melvin Ingram now. Uh, there could be a lot of pressure on Rosen, and that's when he seems to play at his worst. Uh, looking at you know the cornerbacks for um, the Chargers, you know they're much improved over anything that the Cardinals have seen recently. And you know a- a- after getting you know stunned by Denver last week, I think the Cardinals are going to want to play a very similar style game to that. I just don't think the Chargers can let them hang around like they did Denver last week that they've got to put the pressure on both on offense and defense. And I think they'll come out a little bit faster. Um, This is a game, you know, pretty uncommon opponents. They don't see each other often. They do see each other often in preseason. They saw each other this preseason, but that's not saying all that much uh, for how common, how much they scout each other. Um, So I look for, you know, David Johnson to be all right. Larry Fitzgerald's probably more of a flex play in this one going up against, you know, Casey Hayward and Desmond King and Derwin James. You know, I don't really want to play Christian Kirk uh, unless I'm completely desperate. Um, so I'm probably starting David Johnson and no one else. Cool. Let's go over to the Chargers side of the ball. Just looking at the offenses in this game, uh, the offense for the Cardinals uh, are putting up 240 yards a game, and the offensive for the Chargers putting up 400. Uh, just 
Captain Obvious over here. You try and get guys that are on the team that's putting up 400 yards, not the team that's putting up 240. So it's looking a lot better for their weapons. Keenan Allen coming off a nice game. Uh, what do you expect for the wide receivers in, in this one against the uh, the Cardinals? Yeah, um, going up against the Cardinals uh, with Patrick Peterson and – you know, they're more banged up at you know, safety right now with Buda Baker, you know, nursing injuries. They don't really have a guy who can match up in the slot. So I think Keenan Allen's going to be the main target where guys like, you know, Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams are going to get bodied by Patrick Peterson all game. So I think I'm going to be a little bit lower than most on the two outside receivers. But, but the real stone nut play here is Melvin Gordon. We're not talking anything too crazy. The Arizona Cardinals uh, are, are allowing fantasy points in bunches against opposing running backs. Um, and that they're allowing, but they're allowing the second most rushing yards to opposing running backs. Uh, and, and they've allowed – you know, 11 rushing touchdowns, which is second most in the league uh, to opposing running backs. So Melvin Gordon's the locked-in play here. And, and if you're, you know, desperate, I could see going to Austin Eckler as a, you know, pretty deep flex. But other than that, you it's know. tapered off a bit. Yeah, that's because Melvin Gordon's having one of the best years of any running back. Um, you know, ever since coming back from his injury, you know, he's been a guy you want, um, and he's been scoring touchdowns. He's breaking off chunk yardage either as a receiver or as a pass catcher, and right now he's looked like he's got 100 receiving yard upside to go along with 100 receiving rushing yard upside. You know, he's just playing so well right now, and Phillip Rivers is playing at a just below MVP level, but it's probably the best level of his career um, you know, it wasn't his best game last year, but he still put up our uh, last week, excuse me, but he still put up fantasy points, um, you know, throwing for over 400 yards and, and uh, two touchdowns, but didn't throw two picks. So I look for him to sort of right the ship a little bit. Um, and he's got one of the better QB strength of schedules heading forward. Uh, if you still haven't hit your trade deadline. Cool. Uh, before we get to the next game, how about you guys do us a favor and listen to this. Miami Dolphins head to Luke Soil Stadium, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Colts obviously riding a hot, uh, hot hand here, but the Dolphins are coming off a bye week. Uh, we found out today the nod from Adam Case has been that Ryan Tannehill will be back and Starting in this game, good news for Dolphins fans, I think. Um, what are your thoughts in this game? Uh, tell us a little bit about where you are with the running back situation here. Um, all around, I feel like Miami's kind of one of these fade teams as well, but uh, I'd like to hear what you have to think for this matchup. Yeah, Miami is pretty close to a fade all around. Uh, going against the Colts, who are one of the hottest teams in the NFL, and, you know, whose defense has sort of stepped up to go along with their offense over the last five weeks on offense. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts have scored 103.6 fantasy points 
a, a game, and then they've allowed 62.6 fantasy points a game. Those are the fourth highest and the third lowest, uh, and they have the best point differential over the last five weeks in terms of fantasy points. Uh, you know, looking at how Miami is going to match up with them, it, it looks like a lot of it has to do with the the run game, you know, with Frank Gore, who's playing well, but has the most touches without, you know, finding the end zone as a rusher. Um, but Indianapolis has been tough against opposing running backs as of late, just like they've been tough against everybody. Um, you know, Kenyon Drake's still there, and, you know, he looks like their preferred option in the red zone. Um it's just tough for me to be in love with any of these guys. Ryan Tannehill, um, you know, they've been pretty limited with how they wanted to play it with him. But, you know, Brock Osweiler was okay in, in relief. You know, nothing special. Um, you know, then at wide receiver, you know, Jakeem Grant's now on IR. Um, we talk about Albert Wilson earlier in the season going on IR. Devontae Parker's banged up himself, you know, potentially coming off an injury. Um, you know, and, and Stills, you know, ever since the first, you know, two or three weeks of the season just hasn't been able to get it going. Maybe maybe it's that rapport with Ryan Tannehill is something that's really going to help him out. But, you know, Whoa. starting any of those wide receivers just isn't giving me a lot of uh, good vibes. Makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, I agree. Let's head over to the Colts side of this situation. Luck pretty much dominating. Uh, what has he got? 29 touchdowns coming off another three-touchdown game. What was it? Something like six games in a row with three Seven. touchdowns. Uh, beast mode. Seven. Seven. It looks, it looks so great. And then he added the other wrinkle that we we're the only one that we were kind of worried about. Um, is he hit uh, Hilton on that 68-yarder, perfect dime right in his bread basket. Great play by Hilton. But um, that was the one thing we kind of hadn't seen is the, the luck it, chuck it um, play. And he just looks all around pretty uh, – he's just rolling from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, the whole team's rolling. You got Marlon Max never looked better. Uh, had a low game uh, in, in last week uh, against one of the – I think the best rushing defense in the league in the Titans, but he ended up still getting 60 yards and scoring um, on a one or two yard touchdown, still bringing you points. Um, Wilkins got a touchdown last week as well. So, uh, and we've seen uh, Naheem Hines get, uh, get going as well. This whole team, I mean, literally it's just like, they are a power in number juggernaut right now. Hilton, I've been, I've got Hilton shares in, in, in both my leagues. He's basically been a guy that I've been feeling comfortable bet, benching. I did play him last week, thank God, because he lit it up. But um, you got to like kind of the momentum and the turnaround for him. Earlier in the season, he was just kind of getting these one- or two-yard touchdowns, and that was it. Uh, the explosive play that we haven't seen from Hilton uh, looks like it just reared its ugly head for opposing defenses. Uh, I, you're as an owner of him and other owners, I love him. Do you think? Uh, do you think this is a good matchup for uh, Hilton? Who are you like? Are you basically in mode where it's green light across the board? I mean, it is sort of green light across the board, but the problem is 
you know, the matchup for Hilton isn't great. Xavier Howard's been a tough shadow corner who's been one of the better, you know, corners in the league. It's shutting down opposing number one wide receivers. He's done it to the likes of, you know, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, many others this season. They just haven't had great games against him. So it's not a, a plush matchup for him. I'll probably be a little bit lower on Hilton than many others because I really do expect uh, respect Howard. Um, but, I, you know, Marlon Mack should be locked in, um, you know, coming off a week where it didn't look great for him and he still put up fantasy points. Um, but the real plays here are the – you know, tight ends and, you know, unfortunately Jack Doyle's yet again sort of usurped Eric Ebron who ended up with the zero last week. Um, but, you know, holding Ebron down to zeros in multiple weeks is going to be fairly tough, uh, you know, in my opinion. Uh and he's just been such a dominant red zone weapon that it's going to be hard for them to completely go away from him. Luck going to have another nice game. He keeps the streak rolling against the Miami Heat. The thing is, targeting the the players that he's going to throw to is much harder than thinking Andrew Luck's going to be bad. You know, uh, it's just locking down who's going to be the guys, but Andrew Luck is becoming, you know, matchup proof for the rest of the fantasy season. I talked about it last week with Houdini, how I was worried about his schedule, but then he came out and did that to the Titans. Um, You know, we'll see what he can do against the Jags here in a a few weeks, but uh, right now he's sort of matchup proof, man. Yeah, looking good. All right, let's go to this uh, Pittsburgh Steelers against the Broncos. We'll start with the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I mean, I think now that you know that that we don't have um, Le'Veon Bell coming back, you know who you're starting and who who not. I think uh, the one guy is Vance McDonald, um, kind of dudding out in the first half of these games, and then he gets a touchdown late and saves the day for you at tight end. I know he's been doing it for me in one league. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts um, on, on all these guys? Are they all slotted in your lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think Ben Roethlisberger's locked in. James Connors going to be locked in. Brown, Juju, all completely locked in. Uh, and then Vance McDonald, they're allowing 9.4 fantasy points a game, which is 26th in the league. Uh, above league average they allow a bunch of receptions uh by their linebackers and they don't have brandon marshall healthy who's probably their best cover linebacker um you know so they're going with josie jewel as, as the replacement and you know they sort of gave it up to uh antonio gates last week so i can see a way that you want to play vance mcdonald but it's like Hold your nuts and cough while you do, because I'm doing I'm doing that anyway. So perfect. Cool. All right, perfect. Let's uh look. So the, two weeks ago, um, the rookie had uh, it, it, I guess that was because Connor had the concussion. Looks like he's fully back and healthy from that. Uh, you're all in on Connor. Um, all right, I think we're good for that matchup. Let's uh, 
it's pretty hard to believe that Juju Smith-Schuster has more receiving yards this year than uh, Antonio Brown. Um, all right, let's go over to the Broncos' side of the ball. Uh, I'll let you kind of do your thing. Freeman came back, did have the touchdown, um, and uh, that's uh, that's a, that's a, a good thing. Um, but I don't think you can really play him. I, I have to, or I, I think about doing it in my one league because it's a rookie league. Uh, but Case Keenum, he's pretty much a, a sit across the board. Uh, do you think this matchup, because the Steelers will score a lot, it improves him as a fantasy viable start, or is he just not competing with the rest of the field? No, I'm done with this garbage time. Guys are going to do good in garbage time bullshit. I, I want to play players because they're good, uh, especially at the quarterback position where volume matters less than any other position. I mean, uh, efficiency is what matters at the quarterback position. We shouldn't be, you know, oh, my God, he's going to have so many attempts because of garbage time. Not fucking doing it anymore. And right. Case Keenum is a guy who's sitting on a bench because of it. Um, you know, even in two QB leagues, Case Keenum's a guy you got to think long and hard about playing because right now with, you know, you know, Royce Freeman's their best running option uh, near the goal line. Philip Lindsay's been a guy who can take it out from, you know, anywhere on the field, uh, sort of take it to the house from 20 yards out or so. Uh, and unless Emmanuel Sanders is out there, break it off big plays after the catch. They don't have a lot of great passing game options in the red zone. And just because Cortland Sutton's, you know, 6'4", 6'5", it doesn't mean he's a dominant red zone weapon as of yet. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, it's a tale of two cities. That guy, obviously, um, you most likely slotted him as your uh, wide receiver 2-3 or a, a flex play. But – it's been it's been feast or famine. He'll have these great explosion games, and the next game he's shitting a biscuit. So uh, that can be a little bit frustrating for fantasy owners. Do you think he'll be a good play against the Steelers, or is there matchups uh, that doesn't sit favorable for him this week? Yeah, I'm playing Sanders. Uh, the Steelers aren't creating many turnovers. Um, they're, they're fairly, you know, good across the board in terms of fantasy points, uh, and, you know, above average against the wide receiver position, but man, Emmanuel Sanders has been so good and so dominant this season that I'm not writing him off after one game. I agree. Um, okay. Uh, Corton, so, uh, Howerman. Tight end, is this a uh, good situation for him? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good situation for him. Uh, he's been one of the preferred targets for this offense, you know, ever since the Demarius Thomas trade. So I, I can really see going with Jeff Powerman, especially in sort of PPR leagues, uh, just because, uh, you know, we really haven't seen him have this dominant, you know, big yardage game. But uh, underneath, he's sort of playing a Jack Doyle light style role, for he's catching you know five seven yard passes, you know not doing too crazy much, but he's a reliable catch weapon. There you go. All right, 
Football Night in America sees another uh, the nice little inner two two Sundays in a row Sunday nights in a row of uh, NFC North teams going at it. Packers are going to uh, U.S. Bank Stadium up there in Minneapolis to meet against the Vikings. Uh, let's start with um, the Packers. And, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers, they couldn't, they just couldn't get it done on that Thursday night game, uh, pull out the victory. But it truly was um, some fantasy um, mojo happening with Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Do you see, uh, do you see that continuing uh, now that they basically are all the way in on the Aaron Jones uh, side of this running back situation? Yeah. I mean, we've got to remember that these two teams played a, great fucking football game earlier in the season that ended up, um, you know, 29 to 29. Uh, so that's 58 points for those looking at over-unders. Uh, you're going to be playing in a nice, you know, weather control, weather control dome uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, their defense was able to score on a blocked punt. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of field goals sort of missed in that game. That was the game that caused uh, Carlson. Whoever, who's that? Carlson got canned. Oh, Daniel Carlson. Yeah, Daniel Carlson's the guy who got canned in favor of Dan Bailey uh, for the rest of the season, and Bailey's been you know kicking great. He doesn't have the biggest leg, but uh, he's always pushing it. You know, through the uprights when they're in his. So that could be the difference maker here. Um, you know, the Packers played a great game, but they they played a great game getting the ball to Aaron Jones, and I think that's something that's going to continue, and it's an entirely new dimension that the Minnesota Vikings, you know, didn't see in that first game. Uh, he was still on suspension, so they were rolling out, you know, Jamal Williams, who wasn't scaring anyone. Um and, you know, adding that's going to be, you know, probably a difference maker. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been, you know, playing, like, okay. <laughs> like, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been the greatest thing that's walked the earth this season, but he's got a 100 passer rating, 19 touchdowns to one interception. Uh, he's feeding the ball to Devontae Adams. And they've gotten a lot of chances, you know, with the other wide receivers. Um, Robert Tunyon came out of nowhere and caught a 54-yard catch. But Devontae Adams is locked in. Rodgers is locked in. Aaron Jones is locked in. Let's talk about the other pieces. Jimmy Graham with the thumb injury. I'm probably going to be – far out on that as he wasn't catching passes without a broken thumb. That's just me. Um, you know, so the guy who's going to need to step up, you know, is Marquez Valdez Scantling who ended up with the, you know, nice little goose egg for fantasy owners last week, but you know, he, they're going to match Trey Wayne's up on him and likely match up, you know, Xavier Rhodes with Devonte Adams when he's lined up on the outside um, so I, I do think there is some room for secondary receivers here to have success in, in the best of the bunches, MVS. 
Nice. All right. I like it. Let's go over to – yeah, one thing I'll say, just watching uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's bought into his own press for sure. He's now basically throws every pass off his back foot, and he just does – he's just uh, – he gets lucky. I mean, obviously he's a stud. People think he's the best quarterback of all time. But and if they win that game if he's stepping in and making throws last Thursday – uh, he's got to he's got to get back to some of these fundamentals because I think that's why you're saying he's been okay. He's not hasn't been great. I think he's just buying into the Aaron Rodgers. I can just do anything and float it. Uh, no fundamentals. Throw it off my back foot. Throw it sidearm. Uh, and I think he's causing the. I don't think I know he's causing Green Bay points. Um, let's go to Vikings. Uh, Cousins. What do you what do you think? Is this a, a Good matchup for Cousins in this one. I, I, I might be wrong, but it feels like he's tapering off a bit too right now. I mean, Kirk Cousins is fine. Like Kirk Cousins, he's QB thirteen on the season, but it's sort of misleading because in a normal scoring year, he, that his scoring's good for QB five or QB six on the season. He's on pace for thirty touchdowns and forty seven hundred yards passing. Kirk Cousins, you know, when pressured, they're talking about how great Kirk Cousins is, but no quarterback is that great when under pressure. And just because he's the best of the bunch when under pressure, that doesn't really mean anything. The most stable quarterback stats are all about, you know, quarterbacks in clean pockets, and Kirk Cousins just doesn't get enough clean pockets. Um, And there's been some issues with the run game, and it just didn't work last week against the Bears, uh, and that's causing issues. Um, so when I look over at overall, like Kirk Cousins isn't. Sorry, are you worried about Dalvin Cook? Uh, you know, career-wise, moving forward, I thought he, from what he was doing last year to what it's been looking like, um, you know, of late. Uh, what are you, are you thinking? Does he feel to you like a? A, a good dynasty guy, a running back that's going to be doing some big things uh, moving forward, or are you a little bit like, hmm, what are your thoughts on I, Dalvin Cook? I mean, for long term. I, I'm fine with Dalvin Cook. Uh, if I own him in dynasty, I've got no problems because I think this is a team that's going to commit to drafting multiple pieces along the offensive line this offseason. Um, they, they need to get healthier there, and they need depth there. Uh, so with, with a hundred million dollar quarterback or an eighty-six million dollar quarterback, um, and, and the funny thing is, all the Washington truthers of Kirk Cousins sucking came out of the woodwork last week. Like, oh, he sucks under a big game, blah blah blah. And, and yeah, he's he's basically been a five hundred quarterback in his career, and he's you know five hundred this season, but. You know, there's so much more that goes into that. Team wins aren't, you know, a quarterback stat. They're a team stat. Um, and Minnesota, while they've looked good on, you know, you know, defense for portions of the season, their offense sometimes puts them in bad spots, uh, and they give us, you know, sacks, and then their special teams is sort of atrocious. Yeah, right. It's true. Uh, what are you feeling, Diggs? What are uh, you're both locked in? Diggs coming off a huge game against the Bears. Uh, what are you feeling in this matchup and over the court? Uh, you know, in this matchup, and if you're seeing 
anything in their schedule, uh, you're still feeling good about these two studs, right? Yeah, Minnesota's got a pretty good schedule down the stretch. Uh, they're both locked into your lineups. The problem is when Diggs is healthy, he's been the preferred target uh, to Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen, you know, besides that eight-game, nine-game stretch of 100 yards, uh, and he's already up over 1,000 yards on the season, people are still going to find ways to complain come crunch time. Um but I think both of them are still locked into your laps. I don't know how more people weren't in love with Stefan Diggs last week. He fucking demolishes the Bears every goddamn time. Um, I don't know what, what he likes about Chicago, but if he ever wants to come here as a free agent, I'll put some money on the hook for that. Wow. Um, um, it, it, you know, Looking at Kyle Rudolph, he's a touchdown dependent you know, tight end, fringe tight end one. He's not getting enough volume um, to be completely loved and locked in on a weekly basis. Um, You know, Dalvin Cook probably feeling a little bit better about him going up against the Packers than against the Bears last week. And, and, you know, these two teams are going to play each other tough. I don't think either is going to get blown out. Uh, and Dalvin Cook should be involved in the game the entire way through. Stag party. This is we're coming to our last game. If you can believe it, this show is like going to be like this is like an hour and 40, 45 minutes for us. This is a this is a record for us to go through. Um, as you know, if you listen to us a lot, we uh, we tend to go about three hours long. Uh, that shows you uh, one how much I want to make some food. And we are uh, still gave you a lot of the good goodness here, but stag party and D-Rex at breakneck pace here for the Pyro podcast. Well done, my friend. Um, Last game here is going to be, but wait, before we do this last game, listen to this. Tennessee at Houston Texans. Let's start with Tennessee. As we mentioned earlier, coming off that loss to the Indianapolis Colts, kind of brought um, Marcus Mariota's hot streak uh, down to um, a little bit of a, a lukewarm temperature. What are you thinking? Uh, is he going to be able to play this week, or is it Gabbard for sure? I mean, I think he's going to be able to play this week, but the only way you could trust in that is if you somehow want to get stuck playing Blaine Gabbard just in case he doesn't. And I know a lot of dumb people uh, in my life, and I don't think any of them are dumb enough to do that. Um, you know, especially against Texans team that can really bring some heat with JJ Watt, you know, Judavion Clowney uh, and company. So, you know, with that, I, I don't really know what to expect from the Titans offense. We should have seen a lot more from Deion Lewis, who was, you know, one of the hotter players before that game. Um, it really didn't come to fruition in it. Um, but, you know, it, it should be fairly good against the Texans. But, you know, I don't feel great about Deion Lewis if Blaine Gabbert's under center. I don't feel good about Derek Henry his touchdown chances if you know he's under center i don't i don't feel you know lovingly into Corey davis if it's somehow you know uh, blaine gabbert i feel a lot better about the pass catching weapons if it's marcus mariota but 
I'm not going to have any clarity on that, you know, till late in the week. And, and even with three Thursday games, it's yeah. forcing you to make these decisions earlier. Like, because, you know, look at the quarterbacks who are maybe fringe guys you you ha- could have with as a pair with Marcus Mariota. Maybe you have, you know, Dak Prescott, or maybe you're going all the way down to Colt McCoy. Um, you could have Trubisky or Stafford. You know, those guys are going to have to make a decision on much, much sooner than even hearing anything about Marcus Mariota's status. That's a great point, man. I, I completely, I completely agree. That's uh, I, I wouldn't risk it. Mariota hasn't has well, he had a couple good games in a row before this indie game. Uh, still, he's not, he's not, he hasn't been fail safe enough this year to even. Um, love him to wait for this uh, big matchup against the Texans either because you mentioned the two defensive linemen. Dude, Tyra, Tyron, the honey badger, he's on fire, dude. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, just killing it. It's just when that guy's healthy, he's just a game changer. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I want to see – I got to see Tennessee before I'm too pumped to be pump, popping any of these guys in there. If Mariota's not playing, it's a sit for across the board. <clears throat> Let's go to the Houston Texans side of the ball. And, um, you know, I think it's pretty, pretty – yeah, I'll let you do your thing. Yeah, I do think it's close to starts across the board here. Um, you know, Lamar Miller – has had 85 yards and I think three of his four last games rushing. He had 108 scrimmage yards, um, you know, in the game last week. Um, you know, as a pass catcher, they're just getting enough done on offense that he's got a little bit more volume and he's hitting these double-digit fantasy points now when maybe he was in the six or seven range, you know, earlier in the season. Um I, I look for Lamar Miller to be locked in. You know you're locked in DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Kiki Kuti is a guy you want, you know, as a wide receiver three or flex play for you, especially in PPR leagues. They're scheming them open. Um, Deshaun Watson's maybe one of the more fringe wide receiver or quarterback ones um, on the season. He's, you know, uh, ranking right about there. He's QB 12. Um, you know, that touchdown interception ratio we talked about last season as being fairly fluky is sort of evened out. Um, you know, he's got, you know, one less touchdown on 105 more attempts, but he's increased his accuracy up from 61.8% to 65%, but his yards per completion and yards per attempt is way down. Um, and, you know, he's slightly less effective as a rusher and not running as much. Plus, he's been one of the most pressured quarterbacks in the entire NFL, and, and that just doesn't look like something that's going to change uh, against the Tennessee Titans who, you know, if they're going to win this game, have to, have to probably win it with their defense no matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, uh, Titans Titans are a, a stout one. Um Cool. I think we got it. I think we got it all on that game, right? Yeah. All right. Stag party, my friend. Good stuff. Glad we knocked this out. I'm gonna. We'll get this out for the audience so that they have a little time to listen and digest it before that three slate on Thanksgiving. Hope you. Uh, it's your fiance's birthday or something tomorrow, right? Yeah. 
Have uh, wish uh, wish her a happy birthday. Have a good time, buddy. Uh, eat lots of turkey and uh, enjoy yourself on the day of giving. Thanks um, to all of our listeners. We love you. Think we know there's a lot of podcasts out there. We appreciate you listening to ours. Um, all right, high fives across the ways to you, Stag Party. Pyro out. Thanksgiving, your opponents a beatdown in Week Twelve is a wrap.